Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit w2mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Truth be told, I just like saying Anta Takumpo. And then I screw it up as soon as we start recording, because of course I do. Anta Takumpo. Wait, not that kind of podcast, huh? Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, everybody, and welcome to a special edition, off-season style, of the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. That's one of the places. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast services, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. And we'll save the rest of this bit for the end of the show. Fair enough. <laughs> I am I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for joining us. Also with us this evening, you've already heard his voice once. He is the DSDO down since day one. And tonight specifically, he is the anchorman, Eric Watkins. Remember, kids, there's always certain rules to follow. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Never talk about Fight Club. Poland cannot into space. Gimmick infringement is always welcome here at the W2M Network. And Jason doesn't do news desk episodes. Stay classy, W2M. I mean, when he's spitting facts, he's spitting facts, folks. Uh, On a related note, don't piss into the wind and don't tug on Superman's cape. Hmm. Superwoman's cape, however, she does join us here. She is the locksmith. She is... Kennedy Eddings. Happy to be involved, like always. And no Jason to steal your thunder. I know. It's rude of him. Well, I mean, granted, we have his nickname, and he's the one that dubbed you with a special nickname, but if I can't throw out mine here, then we have to keep that on the wraps. <laughs> yeah, that one's not podcast-friendly, so we're not using it. Uh, dare I tell you, Eric, family shout! Look, look, when the philosophical hammer speaks, people tend to listen. <laughs> Go back to Black Irish where you belong. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? You Jesus. heard exactly what that meant. All right, so the reason I call it Eric the Anchorman is because this is a special off-season news desk edition of the kickoff. Therefore... My responsibilities on this episode are basically I turn into one of you guys here. And Eric takes over the hosting reins. Mr. Anchorman, the floor is yours. Well, to everybody's delight, this was going to be a pretty muted news desk. Then, as the day came when we were about to record... uh, As I mentioned off-air, there was a pretty significant news dump with a variety of developments and an entirely different set of stories. So sit down, grab your beverage of choice, and buckle in. We're starting with a pretty low-hanging fruit title-wise for this one, Jones and Fur Trade. Now, for those of you who have been following the Julio Jones situation out of Atlanta, including the infamous phone call on skipping Shannon undisputed where he said on live TV, I'm out of there and I'm not going to the Cowboys because I want to win. 
there were a few teams named as contenders. You hear that, Sean? He wants to win! Sorry. <laughs> the Patriots, Titans, and Seahawks were all named as destinations in one point or another. But in what you somewhat could say the 11th hour, the trade was granted, and Julio Jones is now in Tennessee. There were a couple of draft picks, a second round pick and a fourth round pick, whereas Tennessee gets Julio Jones and a six. But Vegas wasn't impressed with most books keeping their odds of winning the Super Bowl at about 30 to one. So really, does this help him? Does this help the team? <laughs> uh, does this raise an important question? Is Tennessee somebody that Buffalo needs to worry about now, Kennedy? Because A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the same field along with Derrick Henry is kind of fucking scary, if you ask me. It's not great, but I'm not worried about it. They're going to win the they're gonna win the AFC uh, South for sure. But um, I don't think we need to worry about it. It's not going to be a walk in the park, but we're growing just as much as they did on the offseason. Truth be told, I think Julio had an expiration date in Atlanta. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the sign of the end of things for Matty Ice in Atlanta as well, if this is Matt Ryan's last season. Because his biggest weapon over the course of his career has been Julio, and losing Julio means Matty Ice is probably going to be like, yeah, I'm out too, motherfuckers. Yep. So, honestly, obviously, this isn't good for Atlanta's long-term prospects. But to be fair, this is an Atlanta team that fired its coach three games into last season. So, their prospects weren't looking super to begin with. As far as Tennessee goes, I think it makes them the favorite in the AFC South. I still think that if I were to pick, and we'll do our predictions episode come August 12th for the AFC, the 19th for the ANFC, long-time listeners of the show will get that reference. Uh, um, I, I, I don't think it's going to be any question that it's going to come down to, to Tennessee and Indianapolis once again, just like it did last year. Because the Colts have gotten better as well. Yeah, it, it's a fate that I am pretty much resigned to. But I will still, along with everyone else, give my official predictions and records come August 12th. Although you could also give Randy Isbell hell on the R&R Sports Report next week. Possibly. We'll see what happens. Oh, no. I'm going to be giving him hell about other teams. Leave that to me. And unfortunately, if things pan out a certain way, be prepared to catch some shrapnel yourself. What did I do? You're the one who picked the team to root for that happens to be a wooden spoon favorite. Hashtag deep tease. Oh, Jesus. Here we go with the trivia questions. All right. I, I, I am looking forward to watching Randy and Robert make an absolute fool of themselves against Kai Fong in this tennis matchup. Remember, we support our fellow former co-hosts here, Randy Isbell and Robert Hagan, on the R&R Sports Report every, well, most Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, 6 to 8 Pacific, available on Facebook and win in season on klcz.com. Yes, because we, again, we support our former co-hosts. Producers, different story. <laughs> Gotta shake it off. Shake it off. 
No one wants to join me? We'd be twinsies? Anybody? Okay. That's story number two. The what league? Now, this has been something that's been brewing over the past several months. However, this is one of those that's taken not one, but two extra twists just within the last week. For the longest time, those who have been following the XFL ever since it was purchased by Redbird Capital, led by The Rock and Danny Garcia, know that there was all sorts of talks with the CFL, who, because of the pandemic situation in Canada, delayed the start of their 2021 season, currently on track to begin in August. Well, not only are those discussions still ongoing, with the latest news of a new corporation being formed, and finally, some major hirings and personnel that would show at minimum a partnership, if not a full-blown merger between those leagues. But Brian Woods of the Spring League led everybody to one big punch, as he announced, with Fox's broadcasting and buy-in partner, that the USFL we all know, love, and remember will be revived in the spring of 2022. There are already trademarks filed. There will be a minimum of eight teams and a lot of infrastructure either is in place or will be in place. So so, sorry to cut off your thunder here, but I have a question. So does this mean the USFL is going to replace the spring league? Well, that's something that hasn't entirely been worked out. One of the possibilities is that the, the spring league becomes the USFL or the spring league becomes a smaller theater league for the USFL. So basically double A to the USFL's triple A to the NFL's NFL. Correct. Gotcha. All right. What are your questions coming off of this, sir? Well, because with Fox already having the broadcasting deal and buying into the league with part ownership with the original trademarks, and original intellectual property already in place, bringing back the level of familiarity from the 80s, will this be, once and for all, finally, the spring football that lasts? See, I think that there's still a chance for the XFL to make a proper comeback, and especially with somebody with the financial backing that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has behind him, behind it. That being said... I think there's a bit of nostalgia when it comes to the USFL name. A lot of it's going to depend on the product on the field. The Spring League has been watchable, but not good, if we're being honest. It's it's a nice way to get through those down months without any kind of major football news other than the draft and then free agency. But as far as actually seeing a... A marked improvement in terms of the quality of spring football and the ability for one to stick around. I mean, the spring league kind of has thus far because I think they're in what year four, year five, at least. So I mean, the spring league has proven that it has some staying power. Although most people were just finding out about it now because of the the fact that it got the it finally got the TV rights that it got last year during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct, not to mention for this year with the format, the two divisions who will be meeting in the Mega Bowl June 19th. 
of course that's the day of toy ohio when i won't be able to watch the game of course it is Mm. kennedy do you think it's possible for a spring football league to work on a full-time basis here in the u.s um i think only because there's nothing else to oh just speaking for me there's nothing else to watch football is my one sport so um i wouldn't mind it just another reason to drink and yell at my tv but now uh oh sorry but i was gonna say um i mean it just depends on how good they are it depends on how no one it's like fucking when females want to play football no one wants to watch you if you suck so um as long as they do good and they produce action i don't see why not now this is also going to create the ripe opportunity because now that there's been at least something more concrete being discussed with the xfl and the cfl even the cfl fans have said they would be more than glad if the league moved up their season a couple months. And while you have those that are thinking, yes, the XFL can come back in 2022, potentially if things go well, 2023 will really be a test for however we see, how many leagues we see come that spring. Yeah, I think the question isn't so much if there's a viability option for spring football in the United States. It's are we running the risk of oversaturation if we get to the depths of having all of these leagues operating at once? Because you remember uh, when the AF, the AAF came back and then the XFL was announced for its return. One of the things that people was worried about was, is it the case of too much? And now that we could see that happening with the XFL and the spring or the USFL hat slash spring league, because I'm sh- I would imagine it's probably going to be a fold into situation for the spring league. It'll just be rebranded as the USFL once again. Can there be too much football, though? Yes. Yes, there can. <clears throat> as somebody who watches a variety of other sports. Yes, there can. As somebody that only watches football. <laughs> I was going to say, to somebody like you, Kennedy, who's basically specifically a football fan, then probably not. But to people like myself and Eric, who have a wide variety of sports viewing. Well, then, I don't know. I think they can flourish because, like, people like you guys that like watching other things, and those things are still going to go on. But people like me that really just like watching football, then it gives us something to do for the off season. Well, I know my calendar's especially going to be packed the next couple of years if the North American Rugby League also takes off. But that's a story for another podcast. Story number three. As if Jacksonville, with our bridge and with our signings, as if we didn't have enough of a situation under the newness of the Meyer regime, well, a, a certain time has officially come around once again. Thankfully, it's not Mahomes' time in this case. Sorry, just threw up a little bit there. However, <laughs> thanks to the signing of a one-year, non-guaranteed, contract, it is once again Tebow time. All right, so as a Florida Gator fan, I feel kind of obligated that I have to root for this dude to do well. But at the same time, uh, his first run didn't work out so well for him. 
I will say this much, and we talked about uh, we've talked about Tebow on the show before. On the show before, I think one of the important things for Tebow here is he's finally realizing that his talents in the NFL are better utilized not as a quarterback. So I will be willing to give an opportunity to him and specifically to Meyer as his head coach because he knows what kind of positives and what kind of negatives Tebow brings to the table. Seeing this, he had Tebow for three years at the University of Florida as well. I, I think that there's a possibility for Tebow to do well in in a backup tight end role with the Jaguars. I think if Tebow's your starting tight end, Eric, you might have problems. But I think he could be a serviceable backup tight end or uh, secondary receiver. Have you seen our tight ends that we have in place? There wasn't a whole lot of hope to begin with. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I simply with that problem because Buffalo's tight ends aren't exactly super themselves. We're working on it. Yeah, I saw that, too. I'm surprised that wasn't on the news list, Eric. Look, I only have but so much, and you were already Mr. Oh, well, you got to pick eight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of us are trying to watch the Jazz whoop up on the Clippers, sir. And some of us are watching a 2-2 game between Colorado and Vegas in Game 6. Thank you very much. Some of us are just Snapchatting our friends. Thank you very much. Mm. In case your friends are wondering, it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, and Spotify. There Thank you go. You. You're welcome. That's what I do. Uh, Kennedy, do you think Tim Tebow makes a difference in Jacksonville at all? <laughs> No, I don't think he's going. If he does, good for them, you know. If he goes in there and does whatever he's been trying to do for the past however many years, I guess, actually get famous and give a – oh, there's a word I'm trying to say right now that I can't think of. Actually help a team, whatever the big word for that is, but uh, make a difference, I guess. <laughs> Assistance? Just maybe. Maybe that's where I was going with that. But, I mean, if he goes and he does a good job, good for them, but – He's so washed up in my eyes. Like you've been, he's been around the block. <laughs> so I just, I don't really think it's going to make that big of a difference, but if it does good for them, I guess. Look, Not working with something that's been around the block isn't entirely bad. and can't be beneficial, especially. Family show! <laughs> well, you know what that was for Watkins. <laughs> I know. And I still pop. Um, the word you're looking for is be a viable contributor. Sure. That works for what I was trying to say. (laughs) So, yeah, but if he's going to contribute, maybe that was it. If he's going to contribute this time and, uh, actually do his fucking job, then good on them, I guess. She don't English so well sometimes. I don't fucking English well at all. Uh, Eric, let's ask your opinion of this year, other than the fact that your, your tight end room is trash anyway. I mean, I'm not entirely surprised about this maneuver, and from what I have seen in practice, I'm giving him a decent chance. With the kind of pieces and what Urban Meyer's doing, if this is any sort of semi-productive weapon in a first-year offense with Trevor Lawrence, absolutely great. See what happens, or at least you know where we're going to be targeting in the draft come next year. If this works, I would be fine with it. I just would not prepare for all the batshit craziness if there happens to be any gimmick packages. 
And remember, if you're a betting man like me, and you can go and bet on Bovada at bovada.lv, and yes, they still do have their specials if you make your first deposit in Bitcoin, there's already some sort of prop as far as with Tebow throwing a touchdown pass to Trevor Lawrence and what have you. If it happens, I still am not prepared for the hell that will break loose and be unleashed upon the world. Just saying. Yeah, if they end up letting Tebow throw any passes in Jacksonville, y'all are stupider than I thought you were. Look, how many people really assumed we were smart to begin with? Uh, I go back to the picture of the board game that I sent you when I was at Books a Million the one day, Eric. Yeah, that's fair point. Fair point. Story number four. I'm taking the reins for this one because I'm I'm calling an audible and adding this story because it affects both Kennedy and myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, we kind of teased it. We might as well discuss it. Reports are Zach Ertz wants out of Philadelphia. And oh, yeah. the rumored favorite to land Mr. Ertz are the Buffalo Bills. Tight end was a specific point of weakness on our offense last year. Dawson Knox contributed, but not nearly as much as expected. Mm-hmm. And the one tight end from Buffalo that had the biggest year was George O'Leary with the Miami Dolphins the grandson of Jack Nicholas. Um, so let me ask you this, Kennedy. Do you think Zach Ertz is still in a, in a position where he can contribute in Buffalo, or do you think that this would be money better invested on a younger player that will be able to hold down the tight end spot for longer with the bills? I think he has some, uh, oomph left in him. I mean, he's only 30. So I get that's kind of a little up there in football years, but he can do his job. And it's if we can land him and not have to worry about like trying to find someone within the next two years, like we can use him and not have to stress about getting a tight end that's going to get the job done because we don't know if Dawson Knox is going to progress or not. He's not terrible, but we definitely need somebody that has some fire under their ass. So I'd say it'd be a good pickup for us. Knox is young enough in his career that I think a couple of years under the Zacherts learning tree wouldn't be the worst thing for him either. Exactly. Uh, I do think that if Buffalo ends up getting Zacherts, it's the end of Tommy Sweeney in Buffalo. Yeah, sorry. My brain just (laughs) didn't work. Yeah. Eric, your thoughts on Mr. Ertz potentially ending up as a Buffalo Bill? I mean, to be honest, the way that things in Philadelphia have gone, I'm surprised that he hasn't left yet. But just like with the situation you're in Jacksonville, you have much more talent and much better recent results in Buffalo. But as you both acknowledge, title end is one of your mm, kind of missing pieces. If you can get Ertz, even with his age, to be even more productive and take the heat off of some of your receivers, hey, the more weapons that Josh Allen has, the better. We're on a pretty good pace, Eric. Let's go ahead and bring back the new transfers, one that we were discussing earlier. All right. Transfers after dark. 
Well, with all the news with the transfer portal and other major college football news that we will be mentioning later in the show, the Pac-12 has announced that they are aligning with other conferences' rules. And now, any intra-conference transfer will immediately be eligible to play and not have to sit out a season with other conferences either having the same rules or considering those rules will this really mean everyone will be on board and this will be the official thing all right so kennedy's not a huge college football fan she's made no bones about that do you have an opinion about transfers at all kennedy um i never saw like the big big deal behind it like i get you can get like the best people until like alabama could get everybody or else you could get everybody like i get it but like who fucking who cares Somebody that has to face Alabama cares. Well, get fucking good, and then you won't have to worry about it. We're trying. We got some uh, good transfers. Uh, Thank you, Derek King, for being the first quarterback we've had in a great while. And then actually wants to stick around. Damn, Brad uh, Kaya could have been somebody. Man, roll tide. That's all I got. The, the week one of college football. Actually, isn't that game technically week zero? Hmm. Or is that game week one? You're going to have to look that up, Eric. I am. Which game? Uh, Alabama, Miami, and Florida. Uh, I can't spell. Guys, I really think I'm stroking out. <sighs> what year is it? 2021? Maybe. September 4th. Hey, so it's September 4th, guys. <laughs> so week, week one. So that would mean it'll be the actual debut regular season edition of the podcast because... No, I take that back. That would be a second college-only edition of the podcast because the NFL doesn't have its first game until September 8th, 9th, something like that. Anyways, um, as far as the transfer window goes, I don't see what the big deal is. Coaches are allowed to transfer schools all the time without having to sit out a year. Why shouldn't players? And if we're getting into the modernization of the game to the point that players are allowed to monetize their likeness, you're running the risk of costing them money by making them sit out as well. And to quote a certain clown, homie, don't play that. And I'm willing (laughs) to bet that those players ain't going to play that either. I I suspected you'd pop for the in living color reference. Naturally. One of the shouldn't have been, but really was anyway, staples of my childhood. Yeah, Mama Watkins should not have been letting young Eric watch that, but that's neither here nor there. Mama Watkins worked at night at those times, so... (laughs) So Eric was watching that and then some, probably. So, like, Skinamax was in regular young Eric's viewing. Look, it's not my fault. No, wait, I take that back. It is somewhat my fault that every New Year's, despite the fact that I was eight or nine years old, I had access to cable television and watched the Emmanuel and Emmanuel in Space New Year's marathons like like tradition on Skinamax every year. I still came out to be very functional and for the most part very sane. So you're welcome. Functionality debatable. Saying this questionable hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com. <laughs> we play the hits around here. <laughs> All right, Eric, what's next? So, how are you covering it? That, 
Now, for this one, I dubbed a special title, but it is going to be a bit of intrigue given what we're encountering in 2021. Too soon? Now, as you mentioned, yes, the first ever 17-game regular season schedule in 18 weeks starts this year in the NFL with a debut game September 9th, the first Sunday being September 12th. However... As Peter King reported recently, Roger Goodell is nearing 20 years as commissioner of the National Football League. There's expectations that he could step down right around that 20-year mark. So we're talking either 2024 or 2025. Even though you had this recent CBA going to 2030, it wouldn't necessarily be a major surprise if a new commissioner would come in and, together with the owners, put on the table an 18-game regular season. Naturally, similar attitudes with the players and how they were against the 17-game season, you would expect the same. But would an 18-regular-season game schedule be inevitable? And does this confirm the attitude that everybody has seen pan out over the past couple of labor negotiations of players versus owners? I mean, I would argue that it's odd. I've been going first a lot. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and let Kennedy go first here. Kennedy, what are your thoughts on an 18-game regular season schedule? So, like, as a fan, go for it, you know? It's more, again, that's more football for me, so I don't, I don't care. But I don't I just don't know why you need to add more. It's been working off or it's been working the way it has been for how long? You know what I mean? I just don't understand why, I guess we need. to. Yeah, add I, more. Don't, I don't like the 17 game schedule because I think it's going to be awkward as fuck when somebody finishes with a final record of 12 and five. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's just it seems maybe they just want like more profit from it. They think those extra games are going to bring that much more in from when. Because they took a hit on COVID, you know, last year. Not to mention they can sell those games to the TV contracts as well for extra yeah. ad rev- extra revenue from the television deals. Plus, you know, more regular season games, just like when the expansion happened in 78. Six preseason, 14 regular season. Became four preseason, 16 regular season. Now it's three and 17. Under so, this... You would assume it would go to two and 18. Correct. Plus with what they're already doing in places like old NFL Europa stomping grounds and having international games in the Deutschland. More games means more opportunity for money. Well, yeah, I think that's another thing, too, that where people are missing about the 17 game regular season. I think one of the main reasons they wanted to do that is because they want to expand their footprint in other parts of the world during the regular season. And I would argue that it's eventually going to get to the point that every single season, every single team is going to have to play at least one of its 17 in a foreign country, be it Germany, be it uh, England, be it Mexico, be it Canada, be it wherever. Well, they've already set up the framework to where everybody's going to have to play internationally at least once every eight years. So it wouldn't surprise me if they had an international week. 
handful of teams play in one place, handful in another, handful in another, etc. Here's the problem that I have with going to 17 games and then even going to 18 is the unbalanced schedule of it all. Like, the cool thing about the 16-game schedule here, and hear me out, Eric. All right. Because you're, you're, num- you're a numbers guy just like I am. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of, there's a sense of reason to the 16-game schedule. Mm-hmm. Everybody in your division twice is six. Yep. An entire division in your conference is ten. Yes. Four games from that. The other two teams that finish in the same spot in the standings that you did makes 12. Mm-hmm. And that's like almost a fair play kind of situation where you play the teams that were at your level the year prior. Right. An entire division in the opposite conference gives you the interleague football, I guess technically, and kind of sets the stage for potential and in some cases, actual happening Super Bowl matchups, like what happened this past regular season when Kansas City met Tampa Bay in the regular season and then once again met them in the Super Bowl. So you can see like Super Bowl previews during the regular season there. But there is a level of symmetry to that 16 game schedule here. I don't think there's a level of symmetry at all with a 17, and I damn sure don't think there's one with 18. You're just going to literally have to add two out-of-conference out of games. Oh, this is one or, of those patented, I have an idea, but boy, dear fuck, will you hate me for it. Go now, ahead. We're listening. With the 17-game schedule, you can keep everything as is. You have your extra interconference matchup. And you have your balance of who would get that extra home game each year, alternating like with Super Bowls, AFC versus NFC. That's fine. With an 18-game schedule, you can create symmetry. But where the fans would hate me is my idea to keep it be symmetrical, but... You would get rid of interconference regular season games. You would still play everybody in your division twice, and then you play everybody else in your conference once. That's see, I don't 18 think, games. Like see, I, I said, people would hate me, and I get that, but yeah. it's at least a potential starting point. No, I, I don't disagree that the numbers would work out because everybody in your division twice would be six and then three times four is 12, six plus 12 is 18. So I, I get that. I, I don't disagree with you there. But that being said, though, I think that there are interconference rivalries, too, that you're completely taking away by going to this plan. The, the, the Jets would never play the Giants unless both teams made the Super Bowl. And let's be honest, that ain't ever fucking happening. It came close. There's been times. That ain't ever happening. The Cowboys could pl- wouldn't be able to play the Texans. They're not going to face off in a Super Bowl anytime soon because, let's be honest, both of those teams are dumpster fires right now. We'll talk more specifically about the status of the Texans dumpster fire a little bit later on in the broadcast. Da-da-da! Dramatic reverb. So I think that there's an idea there behind having them play everybody in their conference, but 
I just I don't think it works out because of the fact that you're going to rob fans of the opportunity to see these players that they would only get to see once every eight years with the uh, cross-conference rivalry games. Well, you could do that if you were to arrange, and especially in some cases for easier travel, like the Jets and Giants at least do anyways, have that as one of the two preseason games. See, I would think that the only way that would work out is if they actually set up an 18 game with an interconference, is if they actually set up rivalry games. But the problem is, is on the years that you play that division, you would have to find a different rival opponent. Not to mention you have some rivalries, like even for interleague baseball, some rivalries change, some rivalries move. Because, yes, we all remember the times when you had Toronto playing Washington or Colorado. <laughs> Anything to add to this conversation there, Ken? Nope, just happy to be involved right now. I has don't your know. Stroke like, cleared up. Is this, has what? Has your stroke cleared up? No, apparently I don't know what's going on tonight. I can't words, but um, no. I mean, if it works for them, it works. It's just again, I just like watching football, so I'm not going to complain about one or two more games. And I mean, I would hope that if they do decide to go ahead with the schedule down the road, for the love of God. Don't keep pushing the season back. You still have your 20-event window. Just start the regular season just a teeny bit earlier. Uh, Eric? Yes? I don't know about you, but when I think about strokes, that's not exactly what I have in mind. Family show! Come on! Hey! That, that's infringement! Did why not just say in the rules that gimmick infringement is welcome on the W2M network? And if you don't believe us, you should know that life is like a game show. Ha! Well played, Broadhurst. Well played. You know, you know what else you should know, Eric? What's that? That you can listen to all of your favorite W2M network podcasts on GetAmazonMusic.com. Well, yeah, I mean, not just all your favorite podcasts here at W2M, but if for some mysterious reason you have a non-W2M podcast that you like, that'd be fine, too. Or if you want to listen to audiobooks or just some good old-fashioned music, there's a wide variety and such an extensive catalog available. But just in case Amazon Music isn't enough, you've got Amazon Music Unlimited which unlocks even more features and options ready for you to enjoy. And if you want to take advantage of Amazon Music Unlimited, well, you've come to the right place. All you have to do is go to getamazon.com slash W2M network, and you're welcome to a free trial right on us, because we're good like that. Again, getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. I thought it was getamazonmusic.com, but thank you for correcting that. In addition, you know what else you can do, Mr. Watkins? You can listen to all of your favorite W2M Network podcasts by searching for the W2M Network on any Alexa-enabled device. Yeah, search for it and just say, hey, Alexa, play W2M Network, and you'll get the most recent podcast that's been uploaded. And I'm telling you, there's been a couple of doozies on there. Radulich has really been stepping up when uh, times when you're not on kickoff. 
speaking of Rattledge and Broadcasting, I actually make my return to Rattledge and Broadcasting next week. Nice. You, Jason's been on there for a long road to ruin with the Zombies review. Hmm. If only he and I had something in common, so that way I would make an appearance. So it's funny that you mentioned that. I was actually going to talk to you about this off air, but I, I guess I can bring it up to you right now since we have a few seconds to kill while we wait for Kennedy. Uh, I tossed out the possibility of doing an all sports show for Rattledge in Broadcasting. It would simulcast here on the W2M network anyway, so it would be an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. And if there is one person that I know that watches as many different sports as I do, it's you. And we've talked about doing the show just the two of us before. I mean, I would not entirely object to this. Not to mention, even with Randy. Instead of just with that limited segment of sports that don't get enough airtime, imagine the things that we could talk about with Aussie Rules on that show. That Aussie. Aussie Rules, Cornhole League. There's a bunch of different stuff that we watch that don't get any kind of mainstream coverage here in the U.S. And then a bunch of stuff that does get mainstream coverage here in the U.S. that we could talk about as well. That would be available possibly coming soon. Dun, dun, dun. Potentially not dramatic reverb. So can't quite rattle- say anticlimactic in that case, but... <laughs> To the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. We'll talk more about this off-air, Eric. Hey, I am completely down with that. (laughs) Speaking of things to discuss with regards to the W2M Network, um, should we tease it here? I mean, I think 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 we can. I I think Eric's favorite sponsorship may have actually just happened. (laughs) Although, actually, that's not true. That's not true, because if your favorite sponsorship had happened, then all of us would be getting betting credits at betonbovada.lv. And frankly, we would more than welcome that, guys. Again, we can't be bought, but we can damn sure be rented. Of course. However, but with something like this, if I were to rank a list of my dream sponsorships, this is definitely top three, especially if I get samples. I'm down for some samples myself, man. (laughs) For a man, but the ladies love it. That's the only tease I'm giving you. Hey, even better than I could, because my tease would have just gave it away. And you know me. I can't always shoot my load just right there. Family show! All right, uh, one more thing to plug, because this is apparently the commercial interlude here on tonight's episode. of the. We've reached halftime. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Gram- Get Grammarly. That might have helped Kennedy earlier in the show when she was having her moment. Well, with the dear, dear Kennedy tonight, as she said herself, she can't words. We've all had moments like that. <laughs> Say you're writing an angry email to s.garmer at gmail.com, but you're so frustrated. Son of a bitch! <laughs> but you're so frustrated you can't type straight or you see something particular on Twitter, but your fingers can't quite hit the right keys. It happens to everybody. This is where Grammarly can come in for you. Be it with the proper tone, grammar, spell check and making sure the right complexities of that hate mail or in those tweets or 
Say you wanted to do something else, like send emails to loved ones, be they across town or halfway across the world, letting them know that you're thinking about them and how you feel. Or if you happen to be polishing up a resume. Or as I mentioned on other shows, with the school year winding down and going in summer classes, say you're working on certain thesis subjects. Grammarly can help with those too. Now with all of the features that I just mentioned, you know what's even better? Trying them out and then some for free. All you have to do to unlock a nice free trial, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Because again, we're nice like that. Again, getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. You can get all the features and even a few premium features with Grammarly, including writing certain sentences for improved clarity. I ran into that myself with hosts of podcasts earlier today. So, getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network. Kennedy, are you back with us yet? That's a no. All right, so uh, we're doing in one of my favorite moves, The Stretch. <laughs> Actually, what we're going to do here is we're going to handle the one that Kennedy would have no interest in anyways. It's time to hit the college stories. Ah, uh, yes. So shall we be discussing what I call a little bit of a manifest destiny? Yeah, right. All right. You're familiar with Manifest Destiny, right? How we were ordained to go forth and expand west in the 19th century. Yes. All right. Well, the college football playoff competition committee is saying that, well, it is inevitable for us. We are destined and ordained to go ahead and march forward ourselves. They will Ah. They will soon be submitting their report for playoff expansion. Now, while there have been assurances initially that because of the current CFP contract, expansion would not happen either after this upcoming season or next season, at some point, it will be in much further discussion. Some are expecting eight teams. There's been an idea for 12 teams, which... That particular idea scheme, no, I'm not a fan of. You know who you are, Chris. But eventually, four isn't going to be enough. And if we're talking me personally, I think eight would be the right move. If you want to do 12, there's a certain way you have to do it. Yeah, we talked about this before, that we think that eight is probably the way to go here and how we would do it. The five major conference champions, two wild cards, and then a team from the group of five. Absolutely, because with like the 12-team idea, it would basically be your major, all of your power five, essentially. Your top four would be your conference champions, highest ranked. And then your lowest ranked conference champion would join eight wild cards in a preliminary round and the group of five would be frozen out together. If that were to come to pass, that would do nothing but fuel outrage and set the scene for the power five to go ahead and do their own thing. 
even with the NCAA with name, image, and likeness protocols being developed in place, it would be a bad look for the sport and in the institution if all of these top football programs tried to pull a super league and just decided to fuck off. See, I don't think it'll be the major conferences that end up fucking off in the NCAA. I think it'll be the group of five schools that do when they realize that, oh, well, we don't have a chance to win a national championship at the FBS level anyway. Well, then fine. We'll create our own national championship. Well, but at the same time, that would be better for the group of five, but they don't have the clout. They don't have a whole bunch of name power. And let's face it, they don't have the money. See, I think that that would be something that maybe like an ESPN would be interested in investing in, though, don't, wouldn't you think? No. But like I, you don't have to give them the kind of money that you're giving to the uh, F- FBS for the uh, for the CFP. But I think that you would be able to eventually supply enough to almost do a variation of the FCS championship from a group of five level, even if it's only at like an eight team format. Yeah, but, but here's the rub. With the amount of money that ESPN is already investing in the CFP, they would go ahead and easily double down on that because that would be ratings. Because, I mean, if you That's think about fair. it, if you think about it, would you rather watch a lower level Power 5 team like, say, in Indiana or even a top uh, group of five team like a Boise State or a few of these other ones? And yes, I mentioned Indiana on purpose. Back home again in Indiana. That's right. You get me singing tonight, folks. Enjoy it. Um, we're, we're doing our favorite thing called stalling for time around here. See, I think that what about maybe doing something with the secondary members of the uh, of the power of the power five conferences? Then, like, if you want to do sixteen, then the teams that missed out on the actual college football playoff. You might be able to slot them into like a secondary, almost like an NIT to the FCP, to the CFP. Yeah, you easily could or even set up some measure of bowl games, because if that happens, you wouldn't need a lot of bowl games, but you could still create some interesting matchups with there. That would be fine. And if anything... If that happens, the group of five, they would just go ahead and work out to say, oh, I don't know, some pull like in Idaho, go down to the FCS, flesh out some more teams, FCS, Division Two, Division Three, and then just go to those championships anyway. That's also something that could happen under that circumstance. With the expansion of the college football playoff, I wouldn't be surprised to see something secondary put into place for other schools, though, especially ones that miss out on the playoff and stuff, too. Like, if you go to the expanded route of eight, like we discussed there, and like, let's say a let's say a nine and four Big 12 champion gets in over what well, like for what had been an example from the last year. Um or not last year, two years ago. Um, LSU went like 11 and one mm-hmm. and would have missed because Alabama went undefeated. Right. So if an Alabama, an Alabama or an LSU at that record gets left out, 
then this would give them someplace else that they could go and someplace else another kind of tournament that ESPN or Fox or whomever could put their money into. Uh, CBS CBS could do it with their Paramount Plus and their All Access or the former All Access as well as CBSSN. Now, honestly, that would be more intriguing to me. And I would think that with a lot of these cities that still like to host, say, mid-tier or close to upper-tier bowl games, you can set up some of these tournaments in, or at least uh, semifinals or tournament championships at some of these bowl sites. That I wouldn't have a problem with. Yeah, it'll be curious to see what kind of direction they do go in with this college football playoff here. And I do think that if they go to 12 teams, then it's just going to end poorly. Because I don't love the idea that teams are going to get buys in the NCAA FBS championship situation. In a FCS championship situation, I can understand that because you're rewarding the, the teams that won the big conferences. Not to, mention, not to mention the fact that in a 12-team situation, if you don't get that buy, you're going to be playing potentially four extra games. At some point, you would have to cut down the length of the regular season. Well, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the 12 game regular season anyway, and we've talked about that before on the show, too. I think that an 11 game regular season was the way to go with just because of the fact that it's less of a strain on these kids, too. Exactly. And I mean, in a situation, if you were to expand the playoffs beyond eight teams. I would say go back to the old days and just keep it at 10. That way, your 11th would be your conference championship, and then on you go from there. See, the issue with anything like tenant and stuff is that a lot of conferences like to play multiple games against each other and such. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Big 12 plays nine. The SEC only plays eight. That sets up conferences like the SEC for more out-of-conference opportunities for marquee opponents. Well, yeah, marquee opponents, but like, say, for example, the series that was just announced between Alabama and Oklahoma State. Yes, you're going to have these marquee opponents, but you're already scheduling them years down the road. That back to back isn't even going to begin until 2028. Obviously, there's still plenty of plenty of time for this all to get decided, plenty of room for this all to get decided. We're just purely speculating because that's kind of what we do here. Of course it is. We're, we're like all these other media type folks. We spitball and usually something sticks. All right. Any other college stories over there to kill some time while we're waiting? Ah, the only other college one would have been one of the crimes of the offseason. Uh-huh. Well, then, let's go ahead and... Actually, we could probably take a time out here and then just edit it together in post. Alrighty. Alright. I wish there was a way to pause the recording. Oh, well, no, not what I'm going to do. Also, not what I wanted to do.
Are we good? Yeah. We figure it out. We did. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice. It's it's good to be able to get back to this after you know issues. Apologies, well, folks. You know, yeah, not that I, you're really being not. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, in the words of one Johnny Superb man, the power of video editing, or in this case, audio editing. And in my favorite words of a certain porky pig, that's all, folks, of our break, because now we're back. All right. Um, Unfortunately, Kennedy had a family emergency and had to duck out. She might swing back in towards the end of the show. We, however, do send our best. Hopefully everything works out for the best. And obviously we're sending our well wishes. We asked Jason to come and sit in on the show, but we already know what the answer to that would be. Again, we discussed this in the rules. Jason doesn't do news desks. When asked who had time for that, Jason said, nobody. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. But you know what we do have time for? We have time to discuss some criminality in the off season. Oh, this one. The, the, for, we have our two crimes of the off season, as we mentioned, and this first story. I dubbed it appropriately. Murder was the case. Yeah, there haven't been a lot of details on this, but. Virginia Tech freshman linebacker Isi Atute was charged a couple weeks ago with second-degree murder. Again, not a lot of details that have been released, nothing in mass as of yet, so this is an ongoing investigation, clearly. But for a lot of people in college football, it's always been the argument of character over winning. Guys that will play, bring you success on the field versus guys that you would want to have a positive influence in the locker room. Does this kind of help that argument or despite programs like one I'm a fan of having a bit of a colorful history throughout time, this represents one of a more modern day one off. Do me a favor and spell it Tute. E-T-U-T-E. Okay, here we go. Courtesy of our friends at Bleacher Report from yesterday. Yes, I will send you the link so that we can include it in the show description, Mr. Watkins. Jolly good. Indeed. We we properly credit around these parts. From Scott Polasek, Polacek, P-O-L-A-C-E-K, Polacek, Polasek. Polacek? I'm going to go pull a sack just because a horn is sack. And since the Jazz are playing right now, that's the mind frame I'm in. In court on Wednesday, prosecutors said, hold on, a pop-up ad, thanks Bleacher Report. Always good for those. In court on Wednesday, prosecutors said Virginia Tech linebacker E.C. Atute told police that he had punched and stomped on a person who was later found dead. Because he found out that the per... Oh, my God. I don't know if I want to continue reading this story. Oh, you want to send me the link so I can uh, use Anchorman's discretion? Because he found out the person who he thought was a woman was actually a man. 
Oh! This just became a hate crime. And I would like to say, we here on the kickoff and the W2M network as a whole, we do not condone these crimes, obviously, and we would like to wish everyone a happy Pride Month. According to prosecutors, the Tute told police he had matched with a person he believed to be a woman on t- Tinder and met with them for a sexual encounter on April 10th. They set up another meeting for May 31st, but Atute said that he discovered the person was a man and allegedly attacked them. So I'm guessing transitioning, if not having fully transitioned at this point. Yeah, transitioning, fully transitioned, what have you. And I mean, they had supposedly multiple encounters, so you couldn't say that this was a catfish situation. According to prosecutors, Atute said he did not call police as he left the scene, despite hearing bubbling and gurgling noises. Oh. Um. Smith. Smith was found dead two days later, and the autopsy showed all of the bones in his face were broken. He was missing teeth and had skull fractures. The medical examiner said Smith died of blunt force trauma. Okay, so, Eric, allow me a soapbox, please. Up. Here's a nice size one right for you. Go right ahead. You garbage human being. You asked about the whole credibility of character versus talent. This is clearly neither. Yeah, I cannot find any flaw in that argument. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's fun to be catfished. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's idealistic to have something like this happen to you. But if your thought process to that is to murder the person, you need help. Allegedly. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, Although there is nothing alleged about the help you need. No, that's entirely fair. I was just, you know... Like Jesus and Mero do when we're throwing out with these things and being an ongoing investigation, and even though there's charges, we got to say, allegedly, granted, we don't have that Showtime special effects money, but baby steps. We're getting there. We're going to have to work on a sound effect for this one. Okay, so when we originally brought this story up, we we talked about this because I saw it on ESPN, and I'm like, wait, what? And I felt I had to send it to you. And it was just that he had been charged in the potential involvement in second-degree killing of somebody. Um, Eric, this screams first-degree murder to me. It's... And not, not only does it scream first-degree murder to me, it screams first-degree first murder to me with a hate crime stipulation. I will entirely agree on a hate crime. Allegedly. Oh, yeah, I will... Oh, yeah. With this, if we're talking about these situations as they have been presented and as things have come out so far, all right, the hate crime, we're in full agreement, full, full agreement. The only issue I would have 
as far as first degree murder. I don't know Virginia state statures. The traditional grounds for first degree murder or pre- murder with premeditation. Exactly. Premeditation. My thought, my thought process to that is the second meetup was done intentionally with the sole purpose of going after him after finding out what he found out. No, uh, I, yeah, I if, apologize for not knowing the proper pronouns to use here. They do not. They refer to him as him on the article on Bleacher Report, and we will include the link here. If those are not the proper pronouns, I do apologize because, again, transitioning, transitioned, we don't know. Right. They, them is much safer in this instance. Right. So my argument, and if that proves to be true. Again, everything is still ongoing and there are charges, so we would hope to find out more facts as the case develops in court. Fine. If the situation of events proved true, that the second meetup was for that specific intention for him to do that to them, entirely agreed. That's your premeditation. If it wasn't, That's what's going to hinge between, in my mind, first-degree murder and a hate crime versus crime of passion, hate crime, second-degree murder, and first-degree manslaughter. Now, could um, could these charges be added on and upgraded as facts develop? Yes, we have seen that all the time. But for now, that's the one thing that would hinge upon, okay, whether it's one or the other. Our condolences to the family of the victim. And we here at the W2O Network believe that, at least I know I speak for myself, and I believe I speak for Mr. Watkins as well. You do. We we believe that everybody has a voice. Every, and everybody has a right to decide what's best for them. I am of the opinion is if what you're doing isn't hurting anybody else, do you? Yep. Um, love is love. We we had a very long extended conversation about the Black Lives Matter movement a while back, back when we did the Let's Talk About It episodes, which I highly encourage people to go listen to, even if those people, a couple members of those particular episodes are no longer with the show. I still think those show. Those episodes are relevant. The conversation is more important now, despite it coming from different voices who, as you said, are no longer with us. I honestly did not realize the severity of this story when I first shared it with you. I saw the fact that a Virginia Tech linebacker had been kicked off the team after being charged with second-degree murder and figured that that was a conversation to have on the kickoff. No, and that's fine because, again, at the time you sent the story, at the time we'd first included it, which was a while back, there hadn't been these details released. We didn't know. It was just a paragraph at the most here and there outlining the charges, and that was it. But... Boy, fuck, did this just go to a whole new level. And personally, if it's found true and if he's guilty, throw him under the jail. No questions asked. 
No, they, they, see, that's the problem for me. People like that don't deserve prison time. They don't well, deserve to get three squares in a bed. I'm a firm believer in the death penalty. Well, I mean, hey, with situ with the certain states and situations like reinstitution of the gas chamber, reinstitution of firing squads, if it was one of those states where it has the option, hey, like if, if this were in South Carolina and it's by firing squad, I'd request, let me hold one of the guns. I'll do it. But what? different situation. Once again, our condolences to the family of the victim here from, from both myself, Eric, and the rest of the W2M network. We did not realize the severity of the story before we started covering it. We tend to take a much more lighthearted look at the news here on the kickoff. Uh, yeah, that's fucked up, man. Beyond fucked up. Speaking of stories that are fucked up, although not quite to that extent, let's talk Kansas City assistant coaches, shall we? Former Kansas City assistant coaches as Brett Reed, who was essentially released by the team and then did not have his contract renewed. He's officially pled not guilty in his DUI manslaughter case stemming from the unfortunate, tragic, deadly car accident last year. Didn't he kill a little kid in the week of the Super Bowl down in Tampa Bay? Uh, it was, yeah, it wasn't in Tampa Bay. This was in Kansas City on the interstate, okay. not far oh. from the Chiefs team facility. Okay, so it was on the way to the facilities or leaving the facilities during Super Bowl week, though. Yes. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, again, soapbox time. As I will say as I hand you back the soapbox, part of his condition is he does have to have the special uh, breathalyzer machine in his car as this goes on. Harry, Eric, it is Eric, yours. Yes. I know, I, I, I know you consume in the occasional alcoholic beverage. Yes. I know that there are plenty of people in the world who occasionally consume an alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. If you are so inclined to consume an alcoholic beverage in the privacy of your own home, at a friend's house, or at some place with sufficient lodging for you to be able to, to tolerate the effects of said alcoholic beverage, by all means, feel free to do so and have yourselves a jolly fun time. Of course. If you are so inclined to consume alcoholic beverages and then get behind the wheel of a car, you're a fucking asshole. I completely agree. Nowadays, especially now, things are finally opening up. We're on the tail end and getting out with the pandemic. There's taxi cabs. There's Uber. There's Lyft. Triple A will offer you in. If you happen to have the service, not only will they give you a ride, they will tow your car home with you as well. There's options and alternatives. You, you have work, no excuse. You work for an NFL team. You're telling me there wasn't an intern that couldn't come pick you up and take you home? Not just an intern. Because as employees of an NFL team, 
you're held to and you sign contracts just like players do. There are causes and things in contracts and services that the team offers. It's like, hey, if you need a chauffeur or in any of these situations, call. We got you. So that way the team wouldn't have to deal with any sort of fallout, how minimal or especially in this case, when you're dealing with a loss of life, how incredibly changing teams put in ways to help avoid this as well. What an absolutely colossally douchebag thing to do. I mean, I, I, I feel I, bad for the victim's family, what they've gone through in the past, like, just about a year because of this. And this is something really to look at on Andy Reid as well, because it was his son. <sighs> Ooh. Yeah, you know, you know who else I feel bad here? I feel bad for the walrus. And I feel bad for the walrus because his son put him in this situation. And yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about. That's just something. Don't go tarnishing his legacy because yeah. of something your dumbass did. Yeah, like, obviously, the, the major condolences go out to the family of the victim, of, and of course. But from a sports perspective, and I know that's secondary in this scenario, but from a sports perspective, this tarnishes the legacy of Andy Reid. And more specifically, and I hate to say this because, God forbid, I give him an out, but you have to think that the Reid family and the Kansas City organization was thinking about this on the, on the night of the Super Bowl last year as well. This is true. The the night of, the week of, leading up to that, because if this is a kind of tendency, I don't know if this was a one-off. I don't know if this was a much more underlying issue, but these sorts of things had to have been discussed, or at least I would have hoped they would have been discussed. Not to mention, I we see these kinds of things covered up by teams all the time. So if it is a situation of this is something that Brett Reed had done before and they covered it up because they could, then this is just as much on the organization as it is on Reed himself. Indeed. Very much indeed. Eric, this this entire news desk just took a dark turn and I don't like it. Well, there's a couple of lighter turns that are ahead and and. There's actually a bit of a spontaneous update on one of the stories that we just covered earlier. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Yes. As we mentioned with Manifest's Destiny, right before our interlude, giving our thoughts as far as what the committee would propose and preliminary ideas that are going on. Well, it just came across the wire some of the details of one of these proposals. It is indeed a 12-team format. Six highest-ranked conference champions, six wild cards. So, so a group of five champion would indeed get in. So Pac-12, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12... Group of five champion and then six randos. Yes, with no limits on 
number of teams from a specific conference. Oh, see, that's not going to go over well because one of these years the SEC is going to get four and then everybody and their grandmother's going to bitch. With the SEC bias, I would tend to agree. I mean, would the Pac-12 finally get a team in? Yes, but it would just be the one. Some years you would indeed have four SEC teams, or you would have a couple of Big Ten teams. <laughs> that, would, that would also make some major changes for the next rounds of conference realignment. Oh, I 100% think that if this multi-team thing ends up going through. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. We're recording this at midnight, and I've been up since like 10 o'clock this morning. Um, I, I definitely think that we would be looking at another potentially major major round of conference realignment if this goes through with a, an expanded college football playoff. Because some of these teams are going to think about breaking away and forming bigger conferences, maybe teams like in the American Athletic or in the in Conference USA, like some of the more marquee franchises from the independents would want to look up to potentially earning uh, automatic bid exceptions. And you're absolutely right. Now, will some of your group of five conferences get cannibalized again? Yes. However, even though we're going to be coming out of this pandemic a few years' time, it's still going to be something to be looked at because of the travel. You're not going to want to have mega conferences from way different parts of the country. Now, you're going to see some teams even switch, potentially even within Power 5 conferences. That may sound absurd, but I think it's highly possible. I mean, one key example, this would make my life somewhat easier, say a Notre Dame. They realize things stack up much more to where it's a harder path to get through dealing with a partial ACC schedule. Maybe they go ahead and they align themselves more with a Big Ten, have themselves as an easier shot, and maintain some of those old rivalries and reignite some. Uh, I'm going to disagree in that. I think the big 10 is a lot more difficult right now than the ACC is right now. Completely agreed. A few years from now, when you're going to see conference alignment happen, we're talking that window between 2023 and 2026. That's a fluid situation. All right, so twelve teams, huh? Mm-hmm. Do you think we see we you think we see it drop back down to eleven regular season games with the uh, with the potential for four games in the postseason? Absolutely, absolutely. You would still have your fanfare of champ conference championship weekend. You would have it just a week earlier, and then that would make time for undoubtedly fewer bowl games but much more prevalence with the playoff because you would have to, in some form or fashion, factor in campus sites. At the very least for the first round. Yeah, I would have to think that the uh, four teams would get buys, eight eight teams playing the first round, four matchups. And I would assume that those would be situations of the higher seed hosting. 
Absolutely. That's how it would have to be. And I would, again, completely fine with that. And what would have been championship weekend now, you have that little extra buffer, give teams to prepare, start the playoff a week earlier, and then you would dedicate pretty much the bulk of December leading up to before Christmas through New Year's. All that you would have as your college football playoff time. You do realize who gets the crap end of the stick and then we'll move on. You you realize who's getting the crap end of the stick? Besides still some of those group of five champions? The FCS. Because that month of... That month of December where there are no games as they prepare for bowls and stuff, where there's like a couple of bowl games here, a couple of bowl games there, that's when the FCS is running its playoffs. And its playoffs are usually broadcast nationally on ESPN, ESPN2 during that time frame. I guarantee you if it becomes a situation of choosing between the FCS playoffs and an expanded college football playoff, the FCS is getting the shaft here. Well, obviously, what would happen in that case is really what you're seeing more and more of now. More of the FCS playoff games going to ESPN Plus. Absolutely. A chance to help a a chance to help expand the portfolio of ESPN's over the top app. Hmm. I mean, it it couldn't hurt. It would justify with a lot of things, especially If you have more people with the Disney Plus and Hulu packages or better ESPN Plus package by itself, you have more reasons for people to get those bundles. That whole network of apps would theoretically benefit. We've been agreeing a lot today. Look. Again, as we mentioned when we talk game shows and other things for other podcasts, when something happens with me and someone else, it becomes a hive mind. Well, outside of the bedroom. Now, if we're talking inside of the bedroom, if we're talking me, someone else, and potentially someone else, well, Like, you started that sentence waiting for me to cut you off. I know it. I had an idea how I was going to end it either way, so you were fine. All right, let's get back into the news desk. How many stories do we have left? I think four or three? Three. Well, nope, four. Two of them, they'll kind of tie together. Well, let's hit it. Um... As there's been a lot of talks of quarterbacks lately, even now with the news that Russell Wilson didn't demand a trade, Aaron Rodgers is telling Green Bay, pack sand. Facing a $93,085 fine per day of mandatory minicamp missed, Aaron Rodgers isn't showing up. Now, the Packers could go ahead, decide to waive those fines, but in admission to waiving those fines, they would say, hey, ah, things aren't really as rosy here. Whereas if they do go ahead and fine them, it's okay. You're here. You're stuck with us. You deal with it. So who blinks first? 
Um, so Aaron Rodgers could have that Jeopardy money. True. And that 93,000, whatever number you just gave me was. Um, yeah, that's like five episodes of Jeopardy. If even that, we don't know necessarily the kind of contract he would sign to host Jeopardy. I'm I'm willing to bet it would be in a multi-million range. Oh, yeah. So if Aaron Rodgers wants to tell Green Bay to, quote, kick rocks, Aaron Rodgers could tell Green Bay to kick rocks. Who do I think blinks first? I think the Packer organization does. And the reason I say that is because they realize that they need Aaron Rodgers. Because Jordan Love's not ready. No, they're saying, oh, he'd be ready for week one just in case. But mm, mm, mm. now I've really been hearing that in mass coming from uh, OTAs and now minicamp. So what's going to happen is, is the Packers are going to blink. The Packers are going to tuck their tail between their legs. And then the Packers are either going to try to trade Aaron Rodgers like Rodgers wanted in the first place. Or they're going to give Rodgers what he wants in order to placate him long enough to get through the rest of his contract with the Pack. And it's going to be hard to give him what he wants now because he said he wants help. Yes, he wants money too, but he wanted help. Wanted him to draft a wide receiver and Wide receivers, even though Green Bay has returned to prominence, it's still Green Bay, Wisconsin. You don't have a lot of people who are willing to come there in free agency. Yeah, there's there's something unsatisfactory about playing games in 17-mile-per-hour winds when the temperature is like 15 degrees outside. Yeah, no, uh, that would be a hard pass for me. Uh, I'm going to go with new. Story number two. From one quarterback to another, could Deshaun Watson saddle up? Former teammate, now Broncos safety, Kareem Jackson, was on a recent episode of Akeem Tlaib's podcast. And he mentioned in that episode that he's been in communication with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun has said, Even with all this, things going on legally in that bit of drama, he still wants out of Houston, and he wants to be a Denver Bronco. Given the situations with both Denver and Houston, good idea or bad idea? Currently, bad idea. And the reason I say that is because of the potential off-the-field baggage that Watson is currently carrying. The question is going to be how does everything play out with all of his allegations and everything right now? Because until we know that he's going to be cleared by the NBA or excuse me, by the NFL, I'm watching the jazz game in the background. Before we know he's cleared by the NFL to actually play next season, Deshaun Watson doesn't currently have a future in the NFL until the NFL decides that he does. With pending uh, legal obligations, specifically the civil lawsuits that he's involved with, I don't I don't think anybody actually like um, filed criminal charges, but I know there's a bunch of civil uh, civil suits that he's facing. While uh, Houston PD has been involved, they have not officially charged him with anything. So you're correct. As of now, everything is remaining civil. 
the question then becomes is if the civil charges go through and he ends up being found liable, could that lead to criminal charges? And even even so, with the civil charges going through and him losing the court case for the uh, him losing the court case in civil court for the lawsuits with these massage therapist allegations, would that be enough for the NFL to suspend him? The civil cases alone, if he's found liable, yes, would be enough for the league to suspend him because of their track record in enforcing the personal conduct policy. So that's six games at a minimum. Now, as far as them leading to criminal charges, not necessarily, because we've seen as the other way around. Whatever happens with a criminal case you always see, well, not always, but fairly often, wrongful death civil lawsuits. And a guilty, yeah, a guilty verdict leading to a civil case. Well, even a not guilty verdict also leading to a civil case. You're talking like a two different tracks, but you figure if not one, then at the very minimum the other. Sometimes, yes, it's both. Now, you usually don't see that the other way around. And... With the reputation of all of the parties involved, especially the lawyers themselves, there's probably a reason why HPD hasn't fully come out with those criminal charges. Because it's much harder and a much higher legal standard to get a guilty verdict in a criminal case than it is a civil case. So let me spin the question to you, Eric. Is Deshaun Watson worth the risk regardless of what franchise you happen to own this year in the NFL? Would I say he's worth the risk? Absolutely, yes. Is he worth the risk to Denver? Maybe. Because from the football aspect of things, remember, they just went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. They did. In the trade with Carolina. If you're going ahead for Deshaun Watson, which, with all all these things, you cannot blame a team for doing, but what is that going to do to Bridgewater mentally? Yes, he's very capable. Yes, he's been in a variety of situations in his NFL career. Yes, he'll handle that as a professional. However, that doesn't mean that it's not going to mess with his head. It would mess with a lot of people's heads in that situation. Here's an, here's another quick question in that regard, too. Is uh, Didn't they just draft a quarterback last year, Drew Locke? Yes, and the fact that they went out and got Teddy Bridgewater means Drew Locke's days were already numbered. So you think Locke gets cut? At worst, either cut, uh, potentially traded, and maybe a backup somewhere else. Potentially part of the deal to send Watson to Denver. Probably. Probably. I could easily see that happening. Story number three of four to finish us off. (laughs) Oh, God. He's laughing. This usually ends poorly. Well, not for the story, but just, you know, double entendre, finishing off, yada, yada. Giggity. Speaking of things that actually are finished and things that are also premature and Houston, apparently Houston, there's no problem. The Texans and their nigh infinite wisdom, the coaching staff and the powers that be have cited, they've seen enough from OTAs and thus 
they're flat out canceling their mandatory mini camp. Is this just going to be some sort of a blip or aberration or with the transition towards virtual workouts with already the decrease in practice, potentially more regular season games, even beyond 17 and fewer preseason games. Is this going to be something of a trend going forward? I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because I think the players are going to want to have the mandatory meetings and stuff actually on site rather than having the virtual workouts at home because of the situation that we just saw with that one kid in Denver a few weeks ago that we talked about here on the show with the Bronco player that got hurt at an at-home workout and then got cut by the team with no ram- with no legal ramifications of his own. The players' union is stepping up to sue the Broncos organization on his behalf. Uh, he, we- he signed with Baltimore, but yes, a $15 million grievance against Denver. Over the, over the fact that the Broncos cut him because he got hurt at an at-home workout, which was actually... I'm not mistaken, part of the OTAs that the Broncos requested when he got hurt. Yes. So I think more and more players are going to want to protect themselves and have them have these kind of workouts and these kind of um, post uh, these offseason things happening on team facilities in case injuries happen, like what happened to the Denver player. And then there's no question as to who the liability for those injuries falls upon. No. And with something like this, I would guess this was a bit of a perfect storm in that particular case because the teams, the owners wanted more in-person workouts, whereas the players were comfortable going more virtual. So that could honestly, at least in my opinion, it was a tactic by the Broncos in saying, hey, see, this is what happens and you should have listened to us for more on-site workouts. Now, with on-site meetings and video sessions and especially access for weightlifting and everything, I'm okay with. Now, if you're going to have it structured to where there's going to be a few more walkthroughs, fewer practices and pads, outside of the offensive line, I think players would understand and a lot of fans would be pretty much for, especially since you're getting so much extra products during the regular season. The only reason why I say with the offensive line, we've seen the offensive line needs those practices as a unit to do better because we've seen offensive line play decline. And because of that, we've seen a lot of cases quarterback play decline and in some cases, like with Joe Burrow, quarterback injuries. That's something nobody would wish for. Exactly. You need that. Uh, you need that kind of offensive efficiency in order to help keep your lines running smoothly. It's it's going to be interesting to see, like, how many of the teams decide to actually do these at home workouts and how many of these teams actually decide to have have them in the facilities. Like with, you mentioned, the Texans can't canceling the OTAs here. We're also forgetting a major part of this story, Eric. And you know what that part is? What's up? The Texans are a dumpster fire. Do we really want to follow their example currently? Oh, I mean, you've got a fair point. This may be a sign of a full-on tank job. We don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if it is. But if it is, one less team for me to worry about. And I may have to change my prediction and kind of bump up the Jags a little bit. 
Not much, but a bit. Who, who would the Texans be tanking for? I don't know. This is Houston. I mean, you had Bill O'Brien as your de facto general manager for a while. They were the NFL's version of Belgium when they went almost two years without having an official government. It's certainly a lawless area in that part of Texas. Indeed. Let's wrap it up, Eric. Final story. And unfortunately, the final story does uh, leave a bit of a sad note to the show because we went through a giant loss. 1997 NFL Coach of the Year, 1999 NFC Champion, the head coach of the New York Football Giants, Jim Fossil, passed away recently at the age of 71 due to a heart attack. While he was with a few other teams in his career, he built his legacy with those giant teams of the late 90s and early 2000s. Granted. Correct hmm? me if I'm wrong. This is the Giants team that lost to Baltimore in the Super Bowl? 34-7. to Super Bowl 35. I wasn't going to throw out the score out of deference to Jason, but I'm pretty sure that was the uh, that was the one that lost to Baltimore. Yep. Again, he's not here. 30, <laughs> 34 <laughs> to seven. See, if he actually did news desk episodes, I would have been a lot nicer in this instance. And if he actually did news desk episodes, I'm pretty sure he would be telling you to go bleep yourself right about now. Well, yeah, but then again, he doesn't use that Twitter account, so he can't. But as we mentioned that, with his overall legacy, is that really defined by the loss in Super Bowl 35? Or did he do enough to really help himself out? So I would argue that he was the coach that turned the Giants franchise back around after the down years post uh, par- post Parcells. Oh, absolutely. Because you could argue that the, and I will give Jason's team credit here, the Giants team that beat Buffalo with Parcells as the coach and Belichick and as, as an assistant was the peak of the Giants' popularity up until that point. And then they never really reached that level of success again after the Super Bowl win until Fossil became the coach of the franchise. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. After that uh, 1990 team, then things were on a very steady decline. Phil Sims wasn't the same. Granted, he wasn't even starter in that Super Bowl. It was Jeff Hostetler, but there was just no juice. And then you had in that same division... The Eagles, even though not a whole lot of success, but the rise of the Cowboys under Jimmy Johnson, the Giants fell completely by the wayside. So did the Redacted, really, at that time. So, I mean, like I said, the argument could be made that, that Fossil's the coach that brought the Giants back to prosperity. He brought them back, and that was a time, yes, even with Troy Aikman in his later years, 
that was a time where really the Giants backed a prominence overall and really helped bring back the NFC East. Yes, you did have Andy Reid's Eagles, but the Giants were the first team there to at least get over that hump and get to the Super Bowl. Right, and then you could, like, like we talked about here with Fossil there, uh, you could make the argument that Fossil's the most influential coach in the Giants franchise up until, I mean, obviously Tuna, but then up in, from Fossil, you, you make the argument that the next biggest coach in, in the, the succession line has to be Tom Coughlin. Easily. Easily. And, and Coughlin having brought the Paris Super Bowls to New York slash New Jersey, technically. Uh, like anybody really goes to East Rutherford outside of game day, you're more likely to go to a place like uh, Harrison or Newark. I I went to New Jersey once. And the only reason I went to New Jersey once is because my ex at my now ex at the time had to go pick up her daughter. We were in the state for approximately two hours. It was the longest two hours of my life. <laughs> at least you survived. I did. The stents in New Jersey lingers, I'm just saying. Mm. Yet people think that Jacksonville smells bad. I have learned so many things from Jeff Perlman's book, and now I'll have even more of a reason to finish because of the USFL's return. Hey, Robert Taylor, I know you're I know you're probably not going to listen to this, but you're trying to bust my balls inside of the group chat. So guess what? Fuck you. Joe Ingles. Miss it. Ah, he did. Jazz and the Clippers tied at 101 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oh, buckets. <laughs> Bogdanovich with the three ball. Pretty Eric, sure. Eric, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's go ahead and wrap this up, because uh, even I may be tuning in. And I'm pretty sure I had Bogdanovich on one of my fantasy teams this year. Bogdanovich just splashed the three right over a Clipper defender to give the Jazz the lead back. All right, so for the locksmith, who unfortunately had to bail early, Kennedy Eddings, the unprofessional... In every sense of the word, Teasley, <laughs> and the anchor man, Eric Watkins. You know what I'm waiting for here. Go ahead. What? I, I, I don't do the state class C. This is normally where I would do, as you call it, the visual cue on an audio podcast. But I don't even have my camera going, so I didn't. Very well. To stay classy, W two M's at the beginning. <laughs> okay, well I'm a, I'm gonna tell them to stay classy too here. Then at the end, I am the voice of reason and the voice of Utah Jazz fandom. My name is Harry Broderst. <laughs> you have been listening to the kickoff, a presentation of the W two M Network, online at w two mnetcom In addition to all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, Castbox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is still here. And fuck Robert Taylor.
You can find me at H-E-B the Eagle on all of your social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Yahoo, Instagram, pretty much any of them there. I will admit Snapchat almost happened. It didn't, but it almost did. So you're saying there's a chance. You can also listen to the reaction most Monday nights at 11.30 p.m. on the ChairShot Radio Network. And also available in the same places where you listen to the kickoff is Life is Like a Game Show. Myself, Mr. Watkins, and Jonathan Nielsen as we are working our way through the greatest game show of all time tournament. I believe we're up to the Sweet 16? Super 16. Sorry. Copyright infringement. I will double check because, boy, do we love recording in that show. What, uh, we, are, we are up to as <laughs> as it will be dubbed, even though still the basketball tournament. We are absolutely sorry of the Super 16. Okay, so you can check that out on many of the same places where you listen to the kickoff as well. Eric, get your plugs in, and then we can get out of here so I can go watch the Jazz finish off game two. <laughs> Again, speaking of finishing things off, you can find Family me on show. Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. Yes, live tweeting has been intermittent, sporadic, whatever you want to call it. It will be back. Trust you me, did, especially you with did, the Euros coming up. You did do a fantastic job live tweeting the uh, Mexico-USA CONCACAF Nations Cup final, however. Well, I mean, I was in the moon and I happened to see that match from the beginning, so it was a perfect opportunity. Very much appreciated. But if you don't want to see me live tweet a lot of soccer because it's going to happen, you can find me on Facebook at Eric Watkins. You know the deal. Guy, recliner, wine, laundry, etc. See me start flame wars and a few other kinds of things. But as always, if you're looking for that something extra special in your life, just like that. Oh, wait, are they counting that one? Anyway. If you're looking for something extra special in your life, you can slide into my DMs on Twitter, undergo the proper, thorough, strict vetting process. You can gain access to my dark Twitter, my Telegram, my Snapchat, which I have space for, my OnlyFans and whatever other platforms like Telegram and such that I will happen to be on. You will not regret it. it. As always, this plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Website and commercial coming soon. Tutoring and tax consultation services available. Notary public and wedding officiating services available in the state of Florida. Shout out to the co-host assist with the most assist, Miss Liz Puglisi, as well. Uh, hope to hope things are getting better, Liz. I think that wraps us up, right? Yep, we're good. Excellent. Just like I'm that free go- throw was. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the rest of this game. You've been listening to the kickoff a presentation of the W2M Network.